and welcome to yet another season review and this time we'll be discussing the season of Manchester United I have a very special guest today a United fan Shayan Hey Shayan how are you feeling about United season that's just gone by Hey hi Supreet thanks thanks for inviting Um I think uh, frustration and disappointment would be the two words that um I would be associating with uh, the performances and the results uh, mm. over the course of the 61 matches that we have played yeah it's 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 been a i think it's been a weird season there have been some highs there have been some pretty bad lows mm. so in in, in a, i think in a nutshell in simple words it should be disappointment and frustration so let's start with uh, you know the summer transfers and how uh, you know united essentially started shaping the season uh, three key transfers one was uh, donny van de beek Mayax Alex Telles and Cavani uh did you think that these three transfers um sufficed what you know what the squad needed at that point in time and uh, how would you rate these three signings and you know their impact at old trafford right i think uh, i mean transfers obviously at manchester united have been a a little point of concern over the last few years i think ever since uh, alex ferguson left and uh, we were under the uh, you know uh, what should i say uh, edward burt took up the entire mantle of uh, handling the transfers without yeah. having a proper you know technical director or uh, someone who's absolutely going to be focused on looking into the transfers as is with you know other clubs in european football yeah So I think uh, as with other season this season also it started with a huge gung ho about you know Jadon Sancho and we spent so much of I think I remember the pre-season and even leading up to the season mm, yeah, yeah there was so much of talk about Jadon Sancho and how he's going to improve the squad uh, uh, you know one of those young british players is coming up and all that but uh, as as with the case we didn't have a specific plan mm. and that that uh, transfer fell through yeah. because of because of the uh, any there, there was no clear uh, out uh, message both from united towards dortmund also dortmund were right to stick to their guns and not mm. sell him so it was it was a you know callousness in terms of our recruitment our recruitment style the management but uh, what happened afterwards was as i think what we call is is you know just picking up or uh, picking out some players just to complete the transfer window because at that point we we didn't have uh, any any sort of process defined or we didn't know what where else to look ahead to yeah uh, uh, i think van de beek came in also van de beek's uh, situation you know how he came in was we weren't sure about paul pogba paul pogba with everything that happens on the social media with inorala everything you you were never sure uh, that whether he was stick to the team whether his performance is going to be you know fine and all that so i think keeping that in mind soljar the rest of the team they wanted another central midfield player and uh, given his performances for ajax donny mm-hmm. van de beek seemed a pretty good choice and i really like uh, donny van de beek personally as a, as a player but then you know what happens and this has happened in football a lot of times when you come from uh, one of these clubs in europe who have a very different playing style especially ajax who play very different as compared to united and then you come into a huge massive club like manchester united uh, you already have someone like a pogba in central midfield and the team team is almost set and you have to you know make your mark through 
the team uh, it it gets a little difficult especially yeah. the first season and i think mm. we we saw that with uh, van de beek he he, uh, he he wasn't great to be I mean, very simply he wasn't great he didn't and uh, again to his cause i would say that he didn't get the minutes also under solskjaer uh, mm. he didn't get the time to prove himself maybe the manager doesn't have that confidence uh, he, you know managers always need confidence in putting up the first 11 so maybe he hasn't done that much to uh, extract that confidence uh, in from solskjaer so uh, yes coupled with uh, no uh, playing minutes or no playing time and the little that he has done as substitutes yeah. in, in various matches i don't think donny van de beek could himself be proud is he i think he still settling into the team settling into the you know the curriculum of the premier league uh, how how it's played as compared to how they played in ajax mm. um but i think there have been little signs at the very fag end of the season i think the last few matches i have seen i think uh, he's he's slowly settling down as we call it and soldier also uh, will have a pretty important role for him in the next season mm. uh, again because the pogba situation is there and with injuries and all um so i th- i think there is a bright future for Uh, Donny Van de Beek. He's mm. obviously a very talented player. Maybe we need to give him some more time to properly assess uh, him as a player at United. Um, I think the next one you mentioned was uh, Alex Telles. Yeah. We obviously needed someone who would um, back up uh, Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw, as per, for me, he has been the player of the season. Mm. I know everyone keeps talking about uh, Bruno Fernandez, Rashford, and all, but Luke Shaw has been phenomenal for. Yeah, true. Yeah, but uh, I think I think what we lacked was a proper uh, left back who would you know run up and down the pitch like Luksha does. Luksha is pretty versatile in that sense. Uh, you know, he can go up the pitch, he can pull in those crosses, and he can come back and defend also at the same time. Um, and I think Brandon uh, Williams and all he was being touted. Uh, as you know, one of the young guns coming up, but then he has also faltered a bit. Mm. Uh, who could play on both the sides? But I think he faltered. There was a transfer speculation of him going to Southampton, so that hasn't panned out too well. So that led to I think uh, the management again thinking of someone who's going to support uh, Luke Shaw uh, because obviously you can't play a single player across 60 odd games in a season. So Alex Telles comes with I think he came with a lot of pedigree uh, in terms of as a flying left back as we call it right yeah not, not so much importance on the defensive part but much more on the attacking front and that goes well with Solskjaer's policy of using the flanks uh, mm. what he wants to do is use the flanks on both sides put in those crosses or maybe cut in a little bit and you know power up with the front three or four so Alex Telles was a I think pretty interesting choice. Um, I remember watching a couple of his videos before he was recruited, and he, he was one of the I think team members who took uh, most of the penalties for his team before he came to United. Yeah. So that was a, at that point. I, I remember I think Bruno had just won, and there was this talk as, as whether Alex Telles would be the one taking penalties for United. Mm. So he's he's uh, whatever little I've seen, he's a pretty nice player. I really love the way he uh, you know swings the ball with his left foot. He has obviously, as I said, an attack-minded left back. uh but i don't think again same with mandebi he's got that many opportunities and the reason behind obviously is the form of luke shaw um he has played majorly in the european 
you know matches champions league and then in the europa league he's he's good i i think he's he's been good whatever little chances he's got he's proved himself pretty much i think solskjaer has had a uh, nice confidence instilled within him that yes if anything goes wrong with you so i i can fall back on alex telles maybe the mm. uh, defensive aspect of his game needs to be a little uh, you know bulked up yeah. but uh, he's he's, uh, he's I, i think as we can call it he's a modern day left back like the uh, likes of ben chilwell and all mm. to love to go ahead and uh, assist the attacking bit of the team rather than the So, so that was I think he's going to be he's 29 28 or 29 so he has his I think next two three prime seasons with us unless there is a transfer request which I don't think will happen mm-hmm. I think we will have a good substitute he's not going to be obviously the first choice uh, Luke Shaw will be the one but he's going to be a very capable and adaptive uh, left back for United in the days to come mm-hmm. and <laughs> I think that that brings us to the Uh, last one which you mentioned is Edinson Cavani yeah. that has been uh, that has been the interesting and the blockbuster bit from mm. all the accusations are i think it's interesting how the cavani uh, story has unfolded i remember you and i discussing about cavani on when the recruitment process was going on and i was one amongst i think a lot of united fans mm. who, who didn't um, know what to expect of cavani yeah. and who were uh, not so interested also in Cavani given Outsourcer's vision is about the team going forward someone at 36 years of age at the you know at the last years of his uh, career uh, with injuries mm. so i think he had a major injury coming from PSG when he was when the transfer took place so i think the initial few days we saw him only in the gym pulling up strengths uh, doing strength training and all before he even hit the uh, ball with his feet so there was there was a lot of apprehension as to what he would bring to the table given we already had martial rashford bruno scoring you know sort of the major bulk of the goals for uh, united then we had greenwood coming up through the ranks but i think it has uh, the story that has unfolded is something which is like absolutely amazing and absolutely brilliant for manchester united and i'm not sure what we would have done without his goals and without his off the ball performance on the field in all these uh, months uh, He's, he's just been uh, you know great to watch he's mm. been a brilliant servant for solskjaer uh, you know that he's he's, uh, he's he's one of those as i think everyone keeps saying he's one of those typical old age uh, center forwards mm. you, you look at his you look at how he paces like a sort of a leopard in, yeah. inside the penalty box you, you can see it looks like you know the 90s that we when we grew up uh, we saw those central forwards how they used to Uh, sneak in those uh, little chip uh, balls and the little tuck-ins always on the prowl for a header and all that so i think avani is one of those type of center forwards so yeah his his uh, presence inside the box i think terrorizes the defenders to a great deal and that i think opens up a lot of spaces for the other players like the fingers like greenwood mm. or rashford yeah is uh, of i think what has impressed me the most is his off the ball uh, you know energy and his performance i think he's been someone who's not shied away from you know tracking back uh, to a defensive position few of the matches i have been a part of i've seen him defend also at uh, 80 minute 90 minutes and we just want to close out the game mm, yeah. he could have easily just roamed around in the opposition's box but he came down he defended well with the team mm. and <clears throat> i think that is something that soldier also uh, likes about uh, kavani 
he's he's not that lethal he's not only that lethal striker but he can uh, be a great cost to the team mm. in terms of defending <coughs> right so i think i think uh, initially the plan was to offer him a one year contract which has now been extended because of his performance yeah um i think a lot has been said about him being a mentor or a you know a nice teacher for the young ones like rashford and mm. greenwood i think greenwood has also mentioned on social media and in reports that he has uh, learned a lot or quite a bit from uh, kavani and uh, you you'd expect that i mean for someone who's played at the highest level for uruguay and psg and scored so many goals not in the local leagues but in the european stage you'd want someone uh, an experience someone like that in the team for the young guns right Yeah. So I think I think uh, he's been brilliant very honestly he's someone who could have been easily plagued by injuries but that's a testament to his physical workouts that he has done and his physique also I think mm. he's been very uh, very rarely he's been hampered by I think two three matches yes in, in between when he was out but apart from that he's been, he's been just brilliant for united mm. um, so I'm I'm happy that I was proven wrong uh, because I was one of those skepticals that thought that this is going to be a a failed transfer but uh, it's it's come out with flying colors for united yeah that's that's uh, that's that's great so i mean we we uh, uh, i mean saw kavani scoring a lot of key important goals i think i think ended up with what 17 or 18 goals a season if i'm right uh, yes yes i think it was around that yeah. so united actually started uh, you know the season in a very funny fashion uh there was that home loss to crystal palace i think at one point uh, united were what 3-0 down if i'm right uh, sorry i think they were 2-0 down and uh, van der beek scored they eventually lost at game 3-1 and uh, then there were home losses again to spurs where uh, you know united got spanked 6-1 at old trafford there was that very weird loss at home to arsenal 1-0 and then united just took off from there right there you, you guys won what 10 games um in next 12 or 13 matches uh what what exactly sparked you know that that change in uh, form uh, do you think you know from that point in time yeah i mean <laughs> the beginning of the season was a massacre in that sense i think the opening match was against crystal palace and it was i think we were all watching the match and it, there was discussions going on that you can you can clearly see that the team wasn't ready the team wasn't ready to or fit for the for a premier league match yeah. there were, there was no uh, on the ball effort there were no off the ball effort the i think the team clearly lacked energy there was there was no purpose as they said there was no balance maybe you know as holzer had pointed out there because of the last season and the pandemic there was no proper pre season but then again those can't be excuses for a top flight team in the premier league when you're you know you know when the season has started and you are fighting for those three points and that that things just got worse at old trafford i think no one could have imagined having been leading 1-0 after i think what 12 i think we got a penalty at old trafford against spurs and the start seemed to be brilliant but then we just lost it mm. i think we just lost it and 6-1 thrashing as yeah. as i think you had mentioned and everyone keeps on mentioning it but i think that was the that was the lowest point in the season uh, and the season hadn't even started uh, 1-6 drabbing at the hands of your rivals and mourinho basking in glory from his dugout so uh, so yeah that was i think a low point when i think i remember maguire 
and everyone uh, talking to the reporters and they said that we can only you know go ahead from this there is no going down because we have already hit the wall yeah uh, i think what happened was after that uh, you know the performances improved because i think the synergy in the teams sort of started to pick up they realized that you know this is uh, this is manchester united you are talking about and we have not performed to the best of our capabilities or to our efforts and i think there was a huge uh, team uh, i remember reading in reports and what we got to know there was i think they all uh, you know in inside the inside the dressing room and all social uh, had a meeting and i think the realization that you're playing for united and you need to give much more uh, if you want to stay up uh, because there were you know there were apprehensions that if united keep on playing like this um, they will most probably even get relegated at the end of the season because there was yeah. no clear there was there was no clarity on what they would do there was no clarity on the process there was there was a lot of mayhem as they say going through but i think things settled down soldier also i think uh, got his team selection to a certain extent right he started going ahead with that double you know defensive screening in front of that uh, mm-hmm. defensive back four that we have you know that's where uh, fred and uh, mcdominay slowly started to grab eyeballs in terms of their performances they have been i think i think they have been pretty solid although they have faltered and uh, there is a need for reinforcements but i think the performances uh, that both of them have put in and the improvements that both of them have done over the course of the season have been uh, pretty uh, noteworthy so i think that uh, back four has always been the Uh, issue for united over the last few seasons even though they have spent so much of money yeah. on Magu- on maguire bai and uh, all these people mm. but still there i think it, it's pretty shaky if you compare to a you know a virgil van dijk or a ruben diaz um, and all these people who have strength uh, strengthened their team and the back line seems pretty solid uh, united uh, along with the goalkeeper dilemma as to who's going to be the number one then the back line so the team needed some uh, defensive screen as they say in 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 front of the uh, defense back four or back three so i think that was the one of the uh, things that soldier sorted out with that defensive screen and then i think bruno fernandes started linking up well with rashford and uh, greenwood and marshall was at that time uh, playing marshall although didn't have a, a spectacular season and he faltered or he struggled a lot but i think uh, rashford the link up play of uh, bruno and rashford and the link up play of uh, bruno and greenwood uh, made a lot of uh, impact i think on the on the next course of games yeah uh, so i think the mental attitude changed uh, united realized that it's time to buckle up otherwise things can go hmm. down south pretty bad yeah. and a little adjustments uh, here and there on the on the field in the starting 11 now hmm. uh, i think coupled with all that i think uh, made uh, for the progress that united made uh, i think as you said i think 10 10 wins out of 11 or 10 wins out of 12 uh with i think two draws and no losses i think that was a pretty fruitful period that sort of started the ball rolling for the united yeah and if you look at i mean if you look at it uh, from the lens of the end of the season i think united went uh, an entire season unbeaten i think it's only the second time it's ever happened uh, yes uh, yeah, yes so, i think yeah that's a pretty uh, solid record right um Yep, obviously yep. Uh, and 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 united also had the first place for about two or three game weeks 
but did you think you know this current squad had enough to probably uh, you know sustain it and maybe give city a tougher challenge or uh, do you think the squad was limited in a lot of uh, you know in, from a lot of positions uh, it's pretty interesting you ask this question and i think uh, we have a much clearer answer on this after the europa final right uh, we we often talk about uh, balances on the field in a team uh, uh, the formation and how the players are lined up and the impact that they're going to have now that balance is uh, not always restricted to the playing 11 the balance or sometimes shifts to the uh, you know to your substitute bench also and if you look at the europa league final solskjaer didn't have the confidence to uh, do any substitution till what i think it was 99th or 100th minute right and he put i think every as as someone said he put all his eggs in one basket so in uh, it, it's it's sort of uh, sort of a in a telling sign that tells that solskjaer doesn't have the players he needs Uh, over the course of 60 odd games that mm. he can call upon uh, if if he plays all his prime or number one players in a cup final like that yeah. then he doesn't have someone to bank upon mm. uh, we saw with the uh, we saw with you know chelsea last night at the in the champions league final and even with city they had someone like an aguero or a, yeah. a jesus or a fernandinho to bank upon he could call call them up at any point in the in the game but mm. Uh, with with united in the final uh, you could see that you know there was uh, there was uh, one mata there was randy peak there was james mm. and all there was amat diallo but he he didn't feel the need to call them and that can only happen when the manager doesn't have that much of confidence in the impact that my substitutes can have yeah. or the manager is pretty satisfied with the which i think soldier pointed out that he believed that his prime players Uh, can perform on the day but mm. as it uh, you know as it happened rashford didn't have a uh, you know nice day on the field he was he was pretty much almost negligible in the entire game yeah. but even even then solja didn't have the courage to mm. substitute him with a you know amat diallo or a james yeah so uh, so the balance as as i was talking about right the balance is important i, I still feel united do not have the balance in the team um and uh, as a reference to your question i think the united till the point united has that balance they will not be able to challenge for the for the premier league or rather any other uh, you know crown at the end of the day for me uh, i think manchester city is the benchmark team in the premier league uh, even even with you know uh, even if you say uh, you know virgil van dijk comes back for liverpool and other players are fit for other uh, teams for me i think city have laid the benchmark in terms of how they play how yeah. to con- how to control a game and if you remember city were also not in a great position for the first few months they were they were you know either losing or they were having a lot of draws <clears throat> they were the, the flare in their performances were not up to the mark which you know which we have come to see from guardiola and his team so there was a lot of commotion and chaos on social media as to you know what is pep guardiola doing and what is manchester city doing but then suddenly you know they they just you know they just started with their a game and i think post uh, october and november i think it was all city uh, out and out apart from i think that brief period in jan i think for two weeks or yeah. two days when united were on top but 
it it was it was never going to happen for united mm. in the sense that i think city uh, are too strong city mm. with their with mm. the team that they have and the stability that they have that they they're just too strong at the moment and you wonder what would have happened to united had let's say virgil van dijk and the other liverpool players been present uh, they could have easily you know not been the second best team in england and could have been third yeah but then you know uh, could have been and what have been are always going to be part of it so mm. focus on that but i think the important bit about united right now is they have to find that stability in the in the bench on the bench and even with the playing 11 i think they'll they'll need some uh, obviously some reinforcements in the summer transfer window mm. uh, they'll have to look into the defense uh, line their back four and they'll have to look into something of a central midfield uh, yeah. because i think that those are the uh, those are the two areas which i feel united need a lot of support uh, yeah. we we have always you know associated united with a strong uh, midfield from you know roy keane to paul scholes and all mm. these guys over the course of time right and you might not have all these players but you need someone who who uh, control the game right in, in that sense i think although i'm i'm very satisfied with mcdominay and he's one of my, one of the players that i really like yeah. but i don't I, i don't think they'll give united the premier league title or the champions league title down mm. the line a combination of fred and mcdominay can get you to a third place or a second place in the league but mm. that extra distance which every team requires to win that premier league title or to win the champions league you you'll need that special player or you'll need that special player alongside which a mcdominay or a fred can you know reinvigorate and they can re-energize and play that a game yeah. just the two of them as a screener in front of the back four uh, is not going to help united too much and uh, again uh, the back four needs to be sorted out by the end of the summer otherwise united are uh, united are just going to be able to mm. challenge for the top title yeah you you mentioned uh, briefly about the final right um firstly did you think uh, the result uh, i mean yes it was a 1-1 draw uh, but uh, villarreal obviously winning on uh, penalties did you think that was a fair result and secondly uh, what could or what should have solskjaer done differently to maybe uh, you know win the game or uh, change change how the game was going right because it seemed like villarreal were compact they had uh, stifled united um and uh, they weren't creating too many chances they were actually pretty happy to uh, maybe take the game to penalties as well right uh, so yeah what did you think of that i think it was a pretty disastrous performance uh, mm. from united point of view in the sense that out of a, i mean of a game of 120 minutes they only played for 45 minutes which was the second half uh, they had gone you know uh, one goal down in the first half and the way they approached the game in the second half was absolutely exceptional which you should do uh, for for a for any match and especially for a final the way they pressed uh, the way they ran after the balls it it seemed like you know their their life depended on it and that's how it should be with each and every game but then united have never been a team known for their pressing right mm. i mean you can associate it with uh, borussia dortmund or a liverpool or you know some other teams but united have never been the pressing team even even at the time of sir alex and later on also so 
but i mean what clearly uh, i mean for me it was a very disappointing and that's why i used the term disappointing in the in the beginning and a frustrating bit because you could see that it was time to put the foot on the neck of the villarreal players they were they were clearly in the second half they they were clearly jaded after the goal and united could have taken the game to them but they somehow couldn't you know find those spaces that are required and that's when your substitution that we were just talking about maybe a couple of substitutions here and there maybe a yon mata or maybe a amad diallo uh, could have you know just uh, created yeah. those chances or maybe you know sometimes <clears throat> you never know how how the uh, spaces open up for mm. the, for the goal to be created yeah so i think i think uh, united played into uh, Villarreal's tactics which was a i think a 4-4-2 they were playing mm. and their their main intention was to just you know see out the game till once i think united scored it was pretty evident because i i could see that they were you know the then the entire 30 minutes united were just absolutely off they they didn't know what to do there was a clear lack of vision again they didn't want to press through uh, they, they also wanted to wait for the penalties and Uh, i'm not sure why they did that because you never know what can happen in a penalty right so so it was a pretty again pretty disappointing performance united this was united's uh, i i would say one of the best chances to lift a uh, uh, european uh, european trophy mm. but uh, so uh, i mean it it came down to i think two three uh, points for the for the final and uh, it could have been a very different game in terms of the results i think uh, the entirety of the season united played with the back four and then a spinner of two people mcdominay and fred and they were pretty uh, pretty tight in that sense and then suddenly uh, you you see uh, you know solskjaer playing with pogba and uh, mcdominay now fred was obviously injured that he couldn't uh, start the match but then what happened by bringing pogba asking pogba to be the central midfielder which in a role that he hasn't excelled at right so pogba was you know nicely linking up with bruno and in a in a match where you want uh, you know goals and you want your best players to perform i think that was a tactical mistake that uh, solskjaer did maybe he could have started with anemania matic and mctominay and he could have seen uh, what could have happened uh, so pogba uh, you know he we know he loves to play on that front uh, line uh, on the left hand side so bringing pogba back to the central uh, midfield position was i think not the right uh, call especially given it was the cup final and there was a certain structure to how united had played the entire uh, season and again the bench the bench strength of united so right? we we talked uh, quite a lot about it that in a final if you have to wait till the 100 minute to bring on your uh, you know players to uh, you know to add on any sort of pressure and uh, etc i think that also tells a lot so uh, i think yes uh, things could have been done differently uh, but uh, i think at the end of the day it's it's a process that united need to find mm. and once they find the stability and once they find that balance mm. i think they'll be able to win more trophies in the future so you you're talking about uh, you know stability and and the way forward which brings me you know ni- nicely to our next point um, or rather point of discussion so um solshire right um uh, united fans have obviously had mixed um uh, opinion about him is uh i mean do do united fans want to persist with um solshire as a manager uh, i mean we've obviously seen how uh you know uh, someone like a, a tukel who comes with 
managerial experience at the very top can transform uh, you know how how a club uh, or how a team plays and and get them you know the big trophies um do united want someone like that or do you think uh, you know persisting with solshard for longer who's delivered a second place and came to, you know just a whisker away from european trophy uh, you know makes sense right uh, i i think uh, you know you, you i mean we have been very honestly been a little bit too critical about solshard i know he doesn't have the <clears throat> the pedigree of a Mourinho or a Tuchel or Antonio Conte and all these, you know, the 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 big ones in in sort of in in terms of the managers in European football. But then, uh, I think United weren't also looking at someone like that after the Mourinho fiasco and what what went down at United, and especially looking at what has happened since Alex Ferguson retired in 2012, 2013, right? I think. Uh, I think the first appointment of David Moyes, if you, and we have to go back a little bit, the first appointment of David Moyes after Ferguson was, uh, you know, uh, sort of done to keep in mind not only the nearby future but the long-term future as well. So someone, yeah. I think Alex was someone like Sir Alex was pretty much involved in the recruitment or the appointment of uh, David Moyes, right? And the vision at that point was that. Obviously, there's going to be instability in the team and in the club after, you know, David Gill, uh, who was the general secretary of the club, he left. And then I think he left around 2010-2011. And uh, after just just right after that, uh, Alex Ferguson also, you know, uh, retired from football. Right. So, there was there, it was a known fact that the club would go through a transition phase where there will not be any trophies or the, how they play the matches. There will be some disappointing results, but then the idea was to give David Moyes uh, some time so that you know he could he could shape the team of the future. But obviously, unfortunately, the you know results also speak a lot in football and any other professional sport that uh, we are aware we all witnessed. Right, so if the results don't go down uh, properly or if the results are not. Uh, according to what the management or the, what the fans think, I think it um, calls for a change. So I think that w- that's what happened with uh, David Moyes. I think he wasn't, uh, you know, bringing those results onto the table. Uh, that led to, you know, change in the managerial capacity at United. We saw, uh, you know, the two three other managers, hmm. yeah. Van Gaal and then Mourinho and all these guys. But I think the problem. With those appointments was again it was it was a short term thing that United were looking at because there was a huge outcry amongst the fans that you know how can a team like United not win any sort of trophy and which has still been the case till uh, you know we we are trophyless for now you know four or five years I think 2017 was and the last one the Europa right so I think whenever you do not win a trophy at United that gives a huge pressure and not only from the point of view of the fans, but there is a huge pressure on the commercial aspect of it as well. Now, the commercial aspect these days in football plays a huge, huge bit in player transfers, in stadium uh, refurbishments and everything. You talk about anything in football and there is a commercial aspect to it. So, I think the pressure was immense on Edward Ward and the rest of the team to bring in someone who could deliver trophies. That's why I think Mourinho was brought in. He seemed like the automatic choice. But again, the playing style is something which United has always been focused on with Alex and later on. You, you just can't uh, 
uh, you know, play in a very different manner at United as you can do with a, an Inter Milan or with a Porto that Mourinho has done. You just can't park ten people uh, in your own half and you know defend like like you know it's the last day of defending in your life. So I think that didn't go down well uh, with with uh, United and everyone mm. in United. Although we won a trophy, although Mourinho being the manager he is, I think uh, the, these things uh, often often uh, are a cause of uh, have a detrimental effect. I think on a lot of people. So I think that sort of made the mood star amongst the fans and amongst the team as well yeah which which led to obviously the appointment i i you know of uh, uh, Ole's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer i mm. think what what the i think what the idea was at that point and i think Ed Woodward was pretty much at loss as to mm. who he should appoint um, because the players wanted someone who wouldn't be defensive you know manager uh, who can play a little on the offensive side united being the uh, history that they have, they also didn't want to, I think, uh, stick to someone a very dis- defensive-minded coach. And I think the main important bit was someone who understood this entire uh, structure around United, uh, who uh, understand the heart of United. I think that's why all these reasons prompted, or should I say, I think, forced, uh, you know, uh, Ed Woodward to look into someone like a soldier who who hasn't had the you know best of managerial life you can say i think he, he got relegated with cardiff mm. he has just been a very you know molde within the norway league you can't obviously compare that with any of the european leagues that it's a very small country uh, the you know the curriculum also is not as stringent as the premier league and other leagues so but then the the main aspect was the soldier you know was in and out united he was part of that you know the 90s squad and the yeah. late late squad which uh, you know, which we all have come to enjoy, and which we all come to uh, love and detest. Love, obviously, for someone like me, and detest for someone like you, who hates United. Uh, so, so I mean, the idea was obviously to bring in someone who'd understand the ethos around the club, who'd uh, understand what is being required, one who you know give maybe the academy players a much uh, bigger push as compared to a Vandal or a Mourinho. And would slowly turn around things, not in one year or two years, but given a time frame of uh, three, four years. So, having said that, I think, very honestly, I think Solskjaer has done a pretty uh, credible job. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say it has been an amazing job. Maybe, you know, uh, the final win against Villarreal would have uh, helped his cause yeah. a big time. Yeah. But uh, I, I think there is clearly improvement. You can, mm-hmm. you can, it will be absolutely wrong to say that there is no improvement uh, in the team and around Carrington and everything. It's, 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 you have to understand it's not only you know those 90 minutes that are important. There is a lot that goes in the background of a professional club mm. uh, in Europe and elsewhere that has to be taken into account. I think there was a, there was a sour mood uh, or, or very tensed mood when Mourinho was there, even when Van Gaal was there because I, I remember you know talking to certain other supporters and reading articles like this but they mentioned that the mood inside Calvin was almost in like a tense finale every day with yeah. Van Gaal and Mourinho yeah. uh, you, you, there was there was no joke um, there was no you know sort of happy moments it was very intense now players do not always like to be that intense when you are you know either dining with your friends or you're in the training room uh, in the gym or something so I think Mourinho uh, Specifically, I think wanted so much uh, from his players that it, it went a bit strenuous. I think which 
I think has changed under soldier. Soldier has this you know happy, nice vibe to him. He's he's a little casual. Uh, he, he I think chirps around with his players. He's obviously he's he's demanding when the time comes. But I think I think he has that a casual bit also which uh, players like Pogba and uh, etc. Bruno. Yeah. Uh, they like yeah. so that has changed a big deal at the background. I think the other staff have they have also felt a lot more comfortable being as the backroom staff uh, to Soljar as compared to a Mourinho and a Van Gaal. So so things have you know the mood inside Carrington and the mood inside uh, United backroom staff has improved, which has to an extent sort of translated onto the field as well you can see someone like a Pogba who was you know not so happy or sort of disgruntled from time to time with Mourinho he's 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 at a much happier place and that has translated to some of his performances in the league he hasn't been breathtaking as he should be and what he should do but there there has been an improvement and so has been with a lot of uh, other players yeah so there is there's obviously improvement but then i think uh, soldier also needs to you know in, in retrospect he needs to see what more can he do in terms of the managerial, you know, pedigree? Maybe he'll he'll learn from a Tuchel. Maybe he'll learn from a you know Pep Guardiola and yeah. a, a Klopp because obviously the learning has to be there. You can't be a great manager unless you observe and learn from these great managers in the in mm-hmm. the Premier League. And thankfully, he's managing in a league where you have sort of you know the best players of the world and the best managers also, according to me. So I think I think another year is, is my bet that United will definitely. I think there are already talks of contract negotiation between United and Solskjaer, but I think 2021-2022 would be a nice, you know, parameter uh, session, season for uh, Solskjaer and United. If I think Solskjaer doesn't get to deliver in terms of trophies or something else in this uh, upcoming season hmm. then united want might want to think about someone else but i think for the near future united are very happy with soldier and so are the players also uh, with with the manager yeah yeah so you touched upon a lot of uh, important points there do you think uh, i mean solskjaer has a full support of of the glazers and and, and ed woodward and obviously uh, with the europa super league announcement uh, sorry the the european super league announcement and all of that, all of everything that transpired after that, the protests, the fans coming onto the pitch before the game against Liverpool. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on on the Glazers and you know Ed Woodward? Uh, you know, leading the club. Um, obviously, United fans aren't very happy with that with, with the situation. Uh, but do you see that changing anytime in the future? Uh, and and even if it doesn't does not change, how do you think? Uh, you know, it's you know this entire managerial uh, situation is going to transpire at at Old Trafford. I think a couple of interesting things are going to happen this uh, in the near future. Uh, one is I think fourth of June, uh, there is a meeting of the Glazers with the with the Supporters Trust Club, which manages uh, Manchester United Supporters Club. I think that is one critical meeting where I think the Glazers will. Uh, have they have promised that after the fiasco that has happened and especially after the European Super League as you mentioned and United <clears throat> being an integral part of it and then backing out and all the outrage over that and there's the the typical outcry from the players that the United board or the Glazers do not uh, you know mingle with the fans as as a lot of other uh, presidents or other board members do. I think 4th June is something that a lot of supporters are looking forward to and what comes out of the Glazers' mouth in terms of the way forward. Uh, 
I think the other other bit is Solskjaer uh, has the backing of the board. Uh, very honestly, till I think Ed Woodward, uh, he's as as we know, he's going to step down uh, by the end of 2021. And uh, you know, having said that, there has always uh, there's already been a few changes in the backroom stuff, right? If you, you know, uh, Darren Fletcher has come in. There has been a new uh, director of operations. Uh, so the rules are those rules are being you know changing a little bit at the at the back end as we call it and things are going to be i think much more interesting down the line we'll obviously wait for a new ceo and depending on that we'll see how things are uh, moving forward but in, in terms of the backing as you said i think i think blazers uh, have always been uh, pretty much behind all the managers that we have appointed i think they do not uh, mingle so much into all these affairs, but they have always uh, been supportive, even of Van Gaal or Bino. Uh, Solskjaer, having said, uh, you know, the the kind of vision that has been bestowed upon him for the near future, I, I don't think they will tinker with him unless results start, you know, uh, dropping or we, we start performing very drastically in the next uh, few months or so. Um, regarding the, I think the the league uh, that obviously that was something that I am ashamed of. Mm. I think a lot of other supporters uh, will will be on the same page as me. Yeah, and I think I think Soljar has also pointed this out uh, both in terms of the United being part of the league and the fans' protest that you were talking about. I think I think he clearly mentioned in one of his press conferences that he, uh, on one hand, when he doesn't see violence, you know, as a sort of protest. But then protests are a fundamental part of how fans are and what they are. And fans obviously are an integral part of football and any other team, especially a massive one like United. <clears throat> so I think I think he was pretty, uh, that was a, I think for me, it was a pretty uh, interesting bit that as a manager of a huge club, you're in front of the press and you're telling, or it was a sign to, to all the top hierarchy that you've got to listen to your supporters, unless, unless you're... You know, paying heed to them, things can go uh, downhill pretty soon. So I think it was a pretty subtle tactical way of Solskjaer to make these things understand to Glazer that you, you cannot be deaf ears to uh, to a club like United where they're commonly supporters. And if you do that, then that's what's going to happen. People coming onto the page, people uh, being an obstruction to live matches and all that. But I think Soldier is pretty uh, sorted in that sense. He has a clear uh, way of mind being a player himself and yeah. being a, a part of the team for so many years and especially under the uh, mentorship of uh, you know, Sir Alex, where Sir Alex had no qualms about you know, speaking mm. his mm. mind on issues not relating to pure football but yeah. you know, other aspects of football. So I think he's got a nice head on his shoulders in that uh, aspect. Um, so yeah, I, I don't see a, a, a managerial change uh, very honestly, unless, as I said, performances don't go according to plan or United mm. falter. Yeah. In terms of the in terms of the board, I think uh, Abram, uh, Joel Glazer, and Abram Glazer, they are not going to give up uh, the yeah. ownership of United. Uh, mm. At the end of the day, mm. uh, they are they are they are the you know they are the ones who are. Uh, irrespective of what United play or how they how United play and how they perform, mm. the commercial aspect of it is is absolutely staggering for them to give up United. Yeah. Uh, they are they are getting those uh, dividends every year, and I and 
those are just handsome figures not even handsome those those are pretty insane amount of dollars that you know the glazer family is getting from yeah. uh, united after after buying united and united will always be a commercial uh, savvy club with the shirt deals with the shoe deals with the you know other deals that yeah. they have from, yeah. from any any part of the world and hmm. uh, companies also organization also will tie up at any point of the day irrespective of whether they play champions league or they not because of the you know the fanfare that they have and they know that if you tie up with united it is almost a sure shot that your product on the market will have a success so having said all that in mind i don't think uh, glazers will give up very honestly uh, even if there are you know uh, thousands of people on the old trafford page or there is a helicopter on the on top of old trafford asking them to you know shut shop and go go out of the club so that's not going to happen soldiers situation also i don't think is going to remain stable and it's going to be i think interesting how the backroom staff which has changed a little bit uh, with a new ceo coming in in the latter part of the year how they all sync up and uh, how they all perform from an operational point of view down the line um that's awesome analysis shine thank you so much for uh, your thoughts coming to the final segment uh, of united season um i mean for the season review so if you had to name uh, or if you had to place one game of the season which one would it be um i have a few options if you want to just uh, maybe think about it the first one is the 9-0 thrashing of southampton uh, the second one is the final win against leipzig in the champions league and the third one is uh, the 2-1 win at paris uh, against psg right um <laughs> i think uh, maybe you could have included the win over manchester city as well and no but, no you uh, you can choose any game of the season these are just three that i that i could think right, on the right. top of my mind right i i i think it's a i think it's a tough one between the 9-0 thrashing of southampton and the 2-1 win <laughs> against uh, the psg hmm. um and the reason why i say it, obviously uh, i i i would like to actually include another one which can be a top 5 is the a uh, 2-3 win against southampton uh, playing at at st mary's when we were 2-0 down at half time and we came back to score three goals yeah um so i, I think i think the uh, i think the 2-1 and the 2-3 uh, are sort of games that have epitomized or characterized united this season where mm-hmm. they have not been great in the first half they haven't found their rhythm there have been lack of communication between the manager and the players and within the back four and the front three and the central midfield but they have somehow you know uh, due to the mid time i mean the half time pep talk or something they have realized and they have come back yeah. uh, in the second half and and scored so they, they, that's typically the mentality that we have come to see with united that i will falter in the first half but somehow i will gain, regain my strength either the mental strength or the you know the football technical acumen and i will i will just do whatever it takes to win games so these two have been i have chosen these two because they sort of uh, characterize how united have been in the 2021 the 901 i think is is you know is one of those fairy tale games in football that we talk about where everything comes hmm. uh, works you know works in everything is in place it works according to order right from the point uh, go where the manager uh, has put down his thoughts and the players executed and hmm. uh, it, it's one of those nights or this one of those days where everything falls into place right from the goalkeeper to your striker so 90 yeah. in these sort of games do not happen in professional football they can happen in the lower league yeah. or the sunday league but 
in a, in a professional especially in a premier league which is one of the toughest leagues in the in in world football and that too is, is something a uh, very a, a pretty decent team i would say you know sometimes they're mm. not someone who can you can just you know walk over at any any, any random day yeah. they have some good players they are they are a team uh, pretty much structured so again again someone uh, winning 9-0 is i i would say was a pretty big achievement mm. uh, it, it was satisfying i wouldn't say pretty big but i think it would be a satisfying achievement from what you would want from your players and the kind of uh, the kind of performance that you want in terms of the passing in terms of the interaction and the understanding which obviously results in goals yeah. so i i think i i, I uh, it's it's very tough but i think i might pick would be uh, uh, you know the 901 uh, against southampton hmm. yeah. okay so if you had to name one player of the season who would it be i think the two contenders would be luke shaw and bruno fernandes i think i think uh, i think luke shaw uh, bruno mm-hmm. obviously has had a uh, you know mad impact since he came on to the uh, you know scene back in jan of mm-hmm. 2020 we were, we were crying out for someone like him i think for a pretty long time i think yeah. united <clears throat> i think united needed someone like him but if if you see from a transformational point of view a player who has improved bruno you know he he just he just kept scoring goals and providing assists since he hit the ball in 2020 right yeah. and he's, he's he's not sort of his form hasn't dipped that much obviously uh, there have been uh, i mean i think if you if you want to critique him then he hasn't been that great against the top 6 in the premier league and also there have been games when he hasn't turned up but you don't judge a player against the top 6 or against one or two games you judge a player against an entire season right so if you come yeah. to that and bruno fernandes has been pretty exceptional again mm. uh, but then you as i was saying right you, you look at the growth of a player or the transformation of mm. a player i think from that aspect i think luke shaw has been absolutely fantastic i think mm. he's 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 just uh, sort of made that position his uh, his own i think he's he's going to not sure but uh, has, has he got a call to the england side after that i think he has right mm. i think yeah yeah so so i think gareth southgate also realizes what uh, luke shaw has done at united and um, I, i think it's it's absolutely phenomenal it's a, it's a testament to his own courage after the fallout with mourinho and how solskjaer has backed him and once you back a player with a great potential you know the results of it. luke shaw is a testament to that mm. Yeah. So for me, I think it's going to be Luke Shaw. Okay. And uh, last question: If you had to rate United season out of ten, what would you uh, rate them? I think it's going to be a six. Mm. Uh, very honestly, mm. uh, the uh, and for me, it has always been not the trophies at the end of the season. Trophies obviously uh, are the you know uh, sort of the benchmark or how you uh, evaluate uh, teams in professional football. but i think the process needs to be set first and then if the process is correct your end result which is the trophies are are going to follow yeah uh, from a process perspective i think united still have a long way to go mm. um, we discussed a little bit on the final and how the final could have been very different right there yeah. have been those the 11 draws which we have had in the mm. premier league season uh, that could have, i mean there have been a lot of situations where we could have turned that around uh, yeah. you know had those 11 been reduced to a 5 or 6 who knows we could have been very close to city or we most probably could have even challenged them uh, mm. for the title yeah so 
I think I think had had we won, even the Europa League had we won it, I wouldn't have gone beyond a seven and a half. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's the process and it's how we play the game on the field and the attitude of the players, which has to change right from the uh, back four to the front. Yeah. Um, so so I mean, taking that both these into account, I would say it's a uh, hard six mm. for this season. But I I want to see that obviously improve. Uh, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. To, it's not going to jump to a nine uh, next season. But I hope we reach an eight, eight and a half. So, mm. yeah, that's it. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Shine. Always great talking to you. Hope to catch you thank soon you so uh, during the Euros and obviously next season. Thank you so much, Supreet. Looking forward to it. Okay, thank you. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Six Yards Pod. Stay safe and have an awesome weekend.